0: It's 835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Let us get started. We start this program like we start every program. Three big things, things that I think you need to know about during the course of the day. All right, big thing number one, the long knives are out for Presidential Press Secretary Sean Spicer. Let us start this with a general premise. My experience has been, having done a radio show in this market for going on 20 years, my experience has been... Whether you are a host, whether you are a caller, whether you are a public figure, whatever, generally speaking, references to Hitler... Do not pan out well. That that's you know, and it, it doesn't matter what the issue is. Oh, Wisconsin has voter ID. That's like Nazi Germany. No, no, it's it's not like Nazi Germany. But yet you have all sorts of people, and, and this happens on the left and the right. It, it's it's the Hitler analogies. And my general advice is just stay away from the Hitler analogies because nothing nothing accurately can describe the horror that was the Holocaust and that was Hitler. And and you're always. By using those references, you are almost always going to trivialize the significance of something like the Holocaust. So my advice is always stay away from this. And whenever you try to relate current events and say, ah, this is like Hitler or whatever, it, it almost never pans out. Now, Syrian dictator, the Syrian dictator Assad, is... Well, there's not a lot of good things that you can say about him. Here is somebody who has used chemical weapons on his own people. He is a tyrant in the worst extreme. He is a terrible, terrible sort of, of person. All right? And maybe... Maybe you could say in some respects that the way that he has conducted warfare against his people is similar to, you know, what Hitler did. I I don't know. Maybe. But again, I think you're better off avoiding Hitler analogies in general. So yesterday you have the White House press secretary, Sean Spicer, who is just talking about the the chemical weapons used by Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. All right. Now, Now, there's a lot of bad things that you can say about this. But for reasons that remain sort of just completely unclear, Spicer goes off script and says, you know, Assad is a really bad guy and that even Adolf Hitler did not sink to the level of chemical warfare and was not using the gas on his own people in the same way that Assad is doing. Okay, now, Adolf Hitler, of course, used gas chambers to kill millions of Jews and others. So immediately after he says this, that that he didn't use gas in the same way, well, okay, (laughs) a a lot of people, I think, immediately kind of roll their eyes and say that this is, at at best, it is tone-deaf at at best. At worst, it is completely insensitive and historically inaccurate and just plain dumb. Well, Spicer, later on, um, I think recognizing... How dumb this was, and of course, this is the time of Passover as well. Um, he, he comes out and he, and he walks this back, and he, he goes on to say, "Well, look, I'm I'm really sorry about this. Um, I I just obviously." Today he said, today I was trying to describe the attack that Syrian President Bashar Assad made on his own people using chemical weapons. Frankly, I mistakenly used an inappropriate and insensitive reference to the Holocaust, to which there is frankly no comparison. Obviously, that is not what I was intending to do, and I especially during the week of Passover regret using the term. I apologize and hope we can focus on the president's decisive action that he took to make sure that we deal with the situation in Syria. So he he comes back and says, okay, I just, I went off script. I'm sorry I, I said this. Well, if you were listening to our, our morning news broadcast just a few minutes ago, you had this guy from CBS News who was just breathlessly talking about how terrible this was and how, you know, this might, you know, it, how, how absolutely stupid it was and how, how this might be the thing that uh, causes, you know, Spicer to, Spicer to be thrown out. Nancy Pelosi. And it seems to me every time a Trump administration official says something that Pelosi doesn't like or something that is, frankly, dumb, Pelosi's default position is, well, that they have to resign. And that's what she first did. She said, um, he has to be fired. Um, he is downplaying the horror of the Holocaust. Sean Spicer must be fired, and the president must immediately disavow his spokesperson's statements, Pelosi said. Either he is speaking for the president, or the president should have known better than to hire him. So you've got the Nancy Pelosi's of the world saying, this guy's got to be fired. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acinet Mortgage talk and text line. This was a dumb thing to say. I I guess I I understand if, if his point was that Assad is a really, really bad guy. There were all sorts of other ways to make it without drawing a comparison to Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler. So it was a dumb thing to say. But seriously, is this in context? Does it downplay the Holocaust? Is this the type of thing that the guy should be fired for or... Do so we just need to move on? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And to tell you the truth, I, I mean, again, I think this was a dumb thing to say. But people say a lot dumber things, in my opinion, um, on a regular basis. He appropriately apologized. He walked the statement back. And it seems to me that that should be the end of it. And my guess is if it was some other press secretary besides a press secretary for Donald Trump, that is precisely what would happen. Now, though, because it's Trump, this is going to be a multiple-day story. Should Sean Spicer be fired? I say no. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 841. This is Jeff Wagner. 844, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ on our text line. One of our listeners writes, interesting that Democrats often compare Trump and Walker to Hitler, and there is no issue. Yeah. How many times, okay, since Act 10, have you on a regular basis had some lunatic political demo figure in Wisconsin politics from the left saying, Scott Walker is Hitler. Oh, Act 10. You know, we want public employees to have to pay more for their health insurance. That's like Hitler in Nazi Germany. How many times do you hear those references? And it just becomes, again, part of the, the, the background. All right. You go, oh, my goodness. You know, why are people saying that? Should Staun Spicer have used a Holocaust analogy to talk about Assad in Syria using gas on his own people? Well, probably not, because it is an imperfect analogy. And like I say, you stay away from the Hitler stuff in general. But really, Nancy Pelosi, this is incredibly insensitive. It's downplaying the horror of the Holocaust. Get over yourself, Nancy. George and Delavan, George, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
1: Yes, sir. I think the men should be forgiven and they've blown over and stuff on, you know, but. They didn't want the guy who was uh, President Obama's man for lying to the American people for weeks
2: about
0: oh.
1: Benghazi, where American people died. Well, right, and, and, and of course.
0: Fired. Right, and of course, that's a, you know, the, the whole Benghazi thing was, in my opinion, a conscious effort to cover up and divert what had really gone on. This was just an imperfect. Um, tone-deaf uh, analogy. It wasn't like he was lying about some operation. He just, he went off script and should have thought better of it. No, thanks for the call. 414 Right, this isn't an effort uh, to deceive. This is, okay, he was trying to underscore how bad on a guy Assad is. And uh, again, is it is it tone-deaf? Is it historically inaccurate? Yes. Well, he didn't use chemical weapons in this way against his people. Well, okay, Adolf Hitler put millions of people to death in gas chambers with chemical weapons. Okay, maybe he didn't do it completely in, in the way that Assad did by dropping the chemical weapons on the towns. But regardless, it is an imperfect analogy. You should stay away from it. It doesn't advance it. But is it downplaying the horrors of the Holocaust? Does he deserve to be fired? I mean, seriously? I mean, give me a break. Um, on our text line, Carol uh, Chris writes, Regarding Spicer, cut the guy some slack. He's still green in his job, and I don't know of any new administration that has undergone the scrutiny as this one has. I'm not a deep state believer. That is the people embedded in the um, government who try to undermine uh, Trump in this case. I'm not a deep state believer, but you do begin to wonder. I think if Trump and his staff started giving gold bricks to every citizen, the Democrats would find that would, would find it with problems with that too. Well, again, it's I. I I just, when I was listening to this controversy, and this was the dominant story in all the talking head shows, and it's going to be the dominant story today, does Sean Spicer need to go? Um, No. Carol writes, dumb thing to say, but let's not go crazy. I don't think he should be fired. He's apologized. We've all said we wish we'd not have. Now let us move on. Yeah, that's, you have to have some sense of perspective on this. And, I mean, obviously... He was not, you know, he shouldn't have said it, stay away, move on. Big thing number one, Sean Spicer, you're going to hear all these calls for him to be fired. I think not. Big thing number two, a lot of people had their eyes on an election yesterday. There was, in fact, an election yesterday in Kansas. Kansas is a deep red state when it comes to politics. Lots and lots of Republicans. There was an empty House seat um, in, in Kansas. Um, there was a vacancy because the congressional, the, the guy that held it, took a position in the Trump administration, creating an opening. Um, Ron Estes was the Republican candidate who was running. He was the state treasurer. And about a week or two ago, This race started to fall on the national radar because some people started to suggest that maybe Estes would be in trouble. He was getting a Democratic challenge. And this is an this is an incredibly Republican seat. This would be, oh, think think a seat like Jim Sensenbrenner holds. Or if you want to understand the reverse, think a seat like Gwen Moore holds, you know, just a very, very entrenched Democrat. She represents Milwaukee County um, always, despite. You know whatever job Gwen Moore does, she's always going to win because she is the Democrat. Whoever the Democrat is is going to win. And this is one of these type of Kansas seat, the seat in Kansas. Whoever the Republican is going to win. Well, some polling started to suggest that the Democratic challenger um, was was starting to run in a in more strongly than people thought, and so the Republican National Committee came around, they put a little bit of money in the race, and. The idea was this is going to be a referendum on Donald Trump. Well, the election was held yesterday, and the Republican, the Republican state treasurer was elected to Congress to fill the seat of the, it was vacated by the former Republican who became the CIA director. Um, but, but he won by a relatively narrow margin, 53 to 46. Now, that's solid. I mean, that's a seven-point win, and that's solid. But, in the previous election the republican had won by like 20 by more than 20 points now that was a republican incumbent it wasn't an open seat but there's a lot of people out there that are looking at this race and saying this this is a harbinger for what is going to happen Um, Going on two years from now when you have the midterm elections, the argument is that, okay, you know, the party in power normally suffers losses, sometimes significant losses in the midterm elections. The fact that you have a very, very Republican district and in this case, the Republican candidate is only to win is able to win by seven points instead of when his predecessor won by 20 points. That means Donald Trump's policies are unpopular, and that means that Donald Trump himself is going to be a drag on the Republican Party and the candidates a year and a half from now. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big thing number two, what do we read into this election yesterday? Does the fact that it was closer than maybe some people thought it should be Does that mean Republicans in trouble in 2018, or is this just kind of a blip? 414-799-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. My take on this, look, I, I understand the history of midterm elections, but I think if Trump's policies work, Republicans will be fine. I understand that you have a number of Democrats who are angry and they are energized, and you've got the people that are attending the town hall meetings and screaming and screaming and screaming. I think it's way too soon to know whether that kind of anger is going to last. And you can agree with me or disagree with me, but I think I, I think you can't read anything into it. And candidly, I think if the president sticks his course, if the economy continues to improve, I think Republicans will do fine And I don't think Donald Trump needs to change his agenda. Maybe a little bit of style, but I don't think we need to change the agenda. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, are are Republicans in trouble a year and a half from now in the midterm elections because of what happened yesterday? I tend to think not. What do you think? We discuss. It's 852 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 855 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. You listen to them every football Sunday and next Wednesday night, one week from today. April 19th, you get a rare chance to see them live in person together. It's the Packers Radio Network team of Wayne Larvey and Larry McCarran. They're going to sit down with me during Insight 2017. Don't miss a rare opportunity for some green and gold Insight in person. Tickets are on sale now. You can get them online at WTMJ.com. Get them before they're all gone. Insight 2017 at the Country Springs Hotel in Pewaukee. It is one week from tonight. All right, you have some political analysts that are just salivating over what happened in Kansas, Yesterday, you had a Republican, it was a congressional, open congressional seat, because the incumbent Republican, who had been elected overwhelmingly in November, left his position to become the CIA director. So you had a Republican and a Democrat that were running. It's a very heavily Republican area. The Republican won by seven points which was less than the 20 points that the incumbent won by um, in November of 2016. Some people are saying, oh, this means the Republican Party is in trouble. I, I, I don't think so. I think this is an aberration. Sam on our text line writes, the Republicans are only in trouble if they don't get the broader portion of their agenda through by the midterms. I could not agree more. Right now, you've got a lot of stormy weather that's out there. You've got a lot of people that are aggravated. But the truth is, that the proof is in the pudding. We do not have divided government right now. You know, we, have, we have the Republicans that you know, have been running for years and years saying, okay, when we, you give us the keys. You give us the keys to the government, and we're going to get things done. Well, now they need to get things done. And that's how they're going to be judged by. If the economy is doing well 18 months from now, Republicans will do well. If we have health care reform and it is working better than Obamacare, Republicans will do well. Those are the issues that are going to be out there. And trying to figure out how people are reacting in a race in April of 2017 and what that means for November of 2018 I think is silly. Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: morning, Jeff. Hey, that that uh, race in Kansas isn't going to matter because it's way too early. But the one thing that is going to matter is if this, uh, these dairy farmers start losing their jobs because yep. of this Canadian thing. And uh, the other thing is, if we get ourselves into a war, then the Republicans will be in trouble.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if if you're in if you're in a flat-out boots on the ground, you know, combat situation in Syria or North Korea or wherever, yeah, that's that's going to be tough to deal with. I mean, we certainly saw that with uh, you know when President Bush, you know, got us involved overseas as well. So, I mean, I I agree with you, Tom. I, I think there's a. I mean, it's just too early to tell. I keep for for people who are saying, "Oh, look at Trump's poll numbers," and now he's polling, depending on what poll you look at, in the low forties, and and Democrats who feel energized, yeah, it's just way too soon. I don't believe Donald Trump is Ronald Reagan. Okay, so let me use my own analogy there, but I mean, I, I do remember back in the early 1980s when Ronald Reagan took over, first year, first year and a half. The poll numbers were were awful. People didn't like the type of things he was doing. He had kind of a rocky start as he was trying to grapple with, you know, the things that we had with the inflation that was going on and things like that. And you know what? The, The policies that Reagan pushed through worked. And the people responded, and I think you can make a strong argument that that was one of the most successful presidencies, certainly of my lifetime, if not the most successful presidency. Will, will Donald Trump be another Reagan? I, I don't know. Not predicting that necessarily. But I do know that a few months into an administration is way too early to make that uh, to make that decision and I do know that trying to read the tea leaves for what's going to happen eighteen months from now based on one congressional seat in Kansas and a special election in April of twenty seventeen and it just isn't going to work. The Bill O'Reilly controversy continues. Bill O'Reilly is is the gorilla of cable news and I say that in a very, very positive way. He he's the big dog. Um, The O'Reilly Factor is and has been for years and years one of the highest, if not the highest rated cable news program. He dominates the ratings. He has been a mover, shaker, and an opinion leader for a number of years. He is a a successful author and, again, very, very popular. He finds himself embroiled in a series of what I think can only be termed termed, termed as scandals. Uh, The New York Times went after him a couple weeks ago in a weekend story talking about various people who had worked with Bill Riley or for Bill Riley who had filed claims of sexual harassment um, and in one case, a former producer for his show ended up settling settling the case. For in exchange for a payment of like $9 million. Now, it's unclear whether that money came from O'Reilly or whether it came from Fox News or whether it came from both of them. But this story has been out there. And Gail from Wauwatosa, Gail from Wauwatosa is our winner of today's tickets to follow the Brewers. She'll be able to see the Brewers play the Cardinals later on this month at uh, Miller Park. And she's registered for our weekly grand prize drawing. Keep listening. Same time, um, pretty much every weekday, we'll give you another chance to follow the Brewers. So anyways, Bill O'Reilly. Grill in cable news, he's been embroiled in a series of allegations against him related to sexual harassment in the workplace, things like that. Um, he has survived all these thus far. O'Reilly has now hired like a crisis management team, and the, the general position is that, hey, we've settled these things. These things have been settled. Um, there's never been any sort of finding of this. As a public figure like I, I like I am, like O'Reilly says he is, you are a target of these things, and, you know, they've never admitted any sort of liability. But you have multiple situations and multiple claims, so, you know, you, you have to wonder if whether or not there is smoke, there is fire. After these reports surfaced, you had a large number of advertisers who decided to at least temporarily bail on the show. And we're not talking about small advertisers, we're talking about the, these big. You know, big companies, lots of car companies, you know, a number of of major advertisers deciding to bail on the show. Now, in many cases, they weren't bailing on Fox News Network. What they said is, we just want our advertising redirected away from O'Reilly's show, and we want it on, you know, some other show. But in some cases, they, they actually canceled the advertising. There's no way of knowing whether or not this is going to be a permanent thing or not, at least in the short term. And this, I think, has a lot of people um, kind of scratching their heads. Despite th- these allegations, despite the fact that you had sponsors who were kind of getting hesitant, um, last week, O'Reilly's ratings at Fox News were up. They, they, were, they, they were up. The O'Reilly factor averaged more than 3.7 million total viewers. That is a ton of people and more than 652,000 in the key 25 to 54 demographic. When compared to the same week in 2016, year to year, um, O'Reilly's primetime program was up 28% in total viewers and 42% in this demographic, this 25 to 54 demographic. So while advertisers might be temporarily bailing, viewers are not, at least... Not, not by, you know, viewers have not abandoned him. Now, what O'Reilly announced yesterday was that he is taking a vacation. Um, And he said this has been previously scheduled. He's planning to be gone the rest of this week and all of next week. He says he's got a trip scheduled. So this is previously planned. Every year I take a vacation around this time to take a trip. I'll be back on April 24th. Well, again, we were talking about the long knives in the last uh, segment of the program. Now, a lot of the long knives are out there. A lot of people saying, okay, this is the end of O'Reilly. He's not going to be back. They're going to figure out a way to, to dump him, get rid of him, buy out his contract. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have no doubt that you know maybe you are a huge fan of Bill O'Reilly. Maybe you are a detractor. I do not think that this current controversy especially given the fact that viewers are not deserting him. Matter of fact, viewers are are watching him more now than ever. I would be stunned if Fox News were to drop him. And I guess my take on this is I think a lot of the advertisers who might have gotten skittish after these reports first came out, I think they will be coming back in droves as long as the viewers do not desert him, and I don't think the viewers are going to desert him. There's all this speculation out there saying Bill Riley is going to be out at Fox. I don't buy it. What do you think? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's nine seventeen. Jeff Wagner six twenty WTMJ. Is Bill are Bill O'Reilly's days at Fox News numbered? Are they overed? Are they over? I don't think so. We discuss. It's 919, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. How's the city of Janesville coping during the manhunt for Joseph Jacobowski? Hear from a woman charged with keeping the entire school district safe. That's 4.50 today during Wisconsin's afternoon news. All right, Bill O'Reilly announces yesterday that he's going on a vacation. He says he's going to be back a week from Monday. Some people are saying, nope, that's not going to happen. This show is over. I don't buy that. Jim in South Milwaukee. Jim, you're on 620 WTMJ.
4: Well, good morning, Jeff. I was just curious if there's some way of breaking down the viewers by gender, because I would suspect just uh, I don't say I know women that's impossible, but I suspect <laughs> that, I suspect that a lot of women have been tuning in after hearing the announcement in the news who would never viewed O'Reilly regularly to see if they could determine his demeanor has changed any on the, on the air, uh, because he still has a lot of uh, female uh, contributors. And I think what I've seen the last three, four days. His uh, demeanor has changed somewhat on the air. He seems to be more mellow. Really? Uh, yeah. I, Ma- I,
0: maybe a little chastened or something, huh?
4: Well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's Because I've been watching him for years, and it seems that maybe he's getting ready for vacation, but you, it sure seems that he's a little less uh, acerbic. Do you, I, uh, do you think Fox do think, is going to dump him? Uh, no, 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 no. No, because, first of all, th- this is sexual harassment by a few people that have already. their silence has been paid, so they're not going to be out there writing books, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure
0: that's well right, yeah, because yeah, they've gotten their money. Okay, well thanks. See, I just I mean I, I don't I have to tell you, I, I'm an occasional watcher. I generally speaking, by the time I get home at night, um I, I just I'm ready for entertainment programming and unless there's something really big going on or I just happen to be, be particularly interested in one of the stories of the day, I, I don't tend to watch a lot of the talking head shows at night, again unless I think I need to do that for this show. I um so I, I don't have a position on whether he's chastened or not. The other the other thing it's it's a kind of a strange time in, in the media because um, I, I think in, in general, lots of for a lot of these news stations, because of the, the Trump phenomena and the first hundred days, a, a lot of numbers are up. Um, from from last year, and I, so I, I don't know if it's fair to say that by looking at a year to year comparison, that Bill Riley is more popular now than he was, say, a year ago. It's just that because, again, I mean, a lot of people are are watching the news because they're fascinated with what Donald Trump is going to do. Is that that they call it the Trump bump? And and some some TV and some radio stations have gotten it. The question is going to be: Is that going to last, or is it going to be something that as as the hundred days expires? And people just kind of go back to their normal lives. You know, how is that going to play out? And nobody knows that answer. That being said, I still I I will be absolutely stunned if Bill O'Reilly is gone. I just don't think it's going to happen. The only thing that will make Bill O'Reilly the only thing I think that will drive Fox News into getting rid of him is that if the viewers abandon him. And so far, there's been no indication at all that viewers are going to abandon him. Let's talk to Glenn in Muskegon. Glenn, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Hi, Jeff. Good to talk to you again. Uh, I think that uh, Bill O'Reilly pretty much is Fox News. Uh, I think there's a lot of the uh, more liberal media, they really want to get rid of him. I have no clue about what's going on in his personal life, but I do watch his show because it it is informative, and he's, I think, definitely fair to uh, people that he agrees with and people that he doesn't agree with.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that... you know, we, we are we are very very forgiving. I think, as a general rule, of of people, and even if there is examples of misconduct or whatever in their personal lives, we are very very forgiving. And, and the question is going to be: do, do people like Bill O'Reilly? Do they like his message? Do the way do they like the way he delivers it? Um, and and if they do. I don't think that they're going to bail on the guy, even if they're willing to right. say, okay, well, maybe he mistreated, maybe he was completely wrong X number of years ago in the way he handled some producer, or, or maybe the guy is a dog. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the truth of that one way or the other, but if people like the message, I think they'll support him. Exactly. Thanks, yeah. Psycho- no, again, uh, I call Again, I mean, I think, I mean, I'll, and, and again, I understand this has got to be giving Fox heartburn when you have advertisers that end up leaving in droves. But I think... Candidly, I think the reaction of a lot of the advertisers, this was that knee-jerk reaction. And, and one of the things I, I always preach is that people need to avoid knee-jerk reactions based on just uh, a temporary event stock market's a classic example of that. You know, last summer, you have the Brexit vote in in Great Britain, and the stock market plunges for two or three days, and people are talking about, this is going to be a great recession, and and then, you know, it's going to be this huge recession, this is terrible, and then three weeks later, the stock market's up 300 points, the Dow's up 300 points. It's one of these things where I I think you have to be extremely careful in, in just like a knee-jerk reaction to a particular news story. Now, there, there might be some news stories that are just such a killer that you're not going to come back from. But as a general rule, all right, just what happens in a particular month or what happens in a particular year or the impact of a particular news story, you have to wait and see how this plays. And I think a lot of the advertisers were kind of knee-jerking this. I, I will be I will be stunned if he's not back on Fox News a week from Monday. Mark in Heartland. Mark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Jeff. Um, after so many years of listening to Charlie Sykes every day and totally agreeing with him, you've got me to call in to your <laughs> show more in a couple of months than I did to Charlie Sykes for 30 years. And, and my family loved Charlie Sykes. but um, had, I,
0: I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. What does that mean? Does that mean you love me too?
1: <laughs> um, I Probably to a certain extent, but we really don't want to go there. Okay, uh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Bill O'Reilly is super successful. He's probably one of the prime reasons that... They say about forty percent of uh, the big um, major network news media television shows audience has shifted away from them and gone to cable TV they probably because of Bill O'Reilly. It seems to be the, the soup of the day today Jeff, is if that you want to bring down somebody big and conservative and successful and who has a large following of like minded people is you accuse them of sexual assault or sexual impropriety i 'd like to know Jeff. Where are these five or six women that accused Donald Trump during the last few months of the presidential campaign of sexual impropriety, sexual assault, etc.? You haven't heard a darn thing from any of them. So now it seems to be the next powerful conservative on the block. You throw that at him and see if anything, it'll, it'll stick. The well, guy he, is super successful. He has people that strongly believe in him.
0: And uh, they're not going to... I, and I'm with you. I mean, thanks, Colby. I mean, and I, I'm... <laughs> That's it. Look, I'm not downplaying sexual harassment in the workplace and the significance of it, and I I don't want to be interpreted as that. But at the same time, I I think I, I think that that is the type of thing that. It kind of all plays out, and it all depends on the circumstances and the fact that in some of these cases, some of these allegations came from years ago and that they were settled and there's no admission of liability. Yeah, now, I mean, is there something that Bill O'Reilly could do which would, I think, cause Fox News to have to force him out? But again, yeah, I think that's probably the case. But to me, it's all the question about whether or not viewers abandon him, and there's no indication that they are abandoning him thus far. Um, That's like I say, I I think he rides this entire thing out. It's going to frustrate the New York Times. But I think he rides this out. It's 927, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Great Canada! Great
2: Canada! It seems that everything's gone wrong since Canada came along.
3: Great Canada! Great Canada! They're not even a real country anyway.
0: It's 935, Jeff Wagner, 620, WTMJ. As President Trump nears the completion of his first 100 days, what grade would you give him? Scafidi and Billstad hand out their ratings and take your calls today. Be sure to tune in at 1235. All right, blame Canada. Huge controversy has erupted um, in the last couple weeks involving uh, – it's a trade dispute involving Canada and the United States – but Wisconsin dairy farmers find themselves in the center of that dispute, as well as dairy farmers in New York State. Um, here, I'm going I'm, to try to simplify this as much as possible. The there is worldwide an oversupply of of milk and dairy products. Now, that's one of the issues that are there. If U.S. when the U.S. produces whole milk. And they export it to Canada, for example. There, there's a tariff that is charged on that. With that, there's another type of thing though. It's called unfiltered milk, and this is a high-protein, concentrated product that typically is used in cheese production. And it's something because U.S. dairy farmers produce more dairy product that they can typically sell and there's kind of a glut of milk now what they do is they take this this high protein concentrated product um ultra filtered milk and they, they use it to produce cheese well for years and years what they have been doing is they have been exporting this ultra filtered milk tariff free to canada Right, so it's been a huge market and there's a number of wisconsin dairy farms who depend on the, the business, depend on the the stuff that they produce being shipped out to Canada, this ultra-filtered milk, they depend on that to be able to stay in business. Well, recently, um, Canada has announced this new, quote-unquote, strategy. They call it the National Ingredients Strategy. It's known as a Class Seven milk pricing program, and the way it will operate is that by giving incentives to canadian dairy farmers the effect is the cost of u.s unfiltered milk is going to rise dramatically um, dairy farmers in canada have been complaining about this unfiltered milk coming in saying that they're at a competitive disadvantage because the u.s you know has economies of scale they're producing this it's cheaper we're getting hurt so now what what's happened is is that uh, Canada has Im- imposed these strategies which essentially says, all right, there's no incentive anymore for, for Canada to import all this ultra-filtered milk. It's cheaper to go with the, the locally produced things. And this, of course, has you know people screaming bloody murder, saying, hey, this is just going to devastate at least some of our, our dairy farms. Um, Canada... Fritz's point is saying, hey, th- this isn't our problem. Um, one of the spokesmen says, the truth is both the U.S. and world dairy markets are currently oversaturated, which has led to two low prices at the farm gate and a lower price received by prosecutors, by pr- pr- processors. Simply put, in the U.S. and around the world too much milk is being produced the end result is loss of income for farmers and in some cases farmers having to shut down their farms that's what um they say in canada they say by contrast in canada supply management matching supply with demand avoids overproduction and reduces the impact of market fluctuations such as those that the u.s is currently experiencing so in other words canada says hey you know we're not going to apologize for adjusting our pricing strategies to make it unprofitable for people to buy exported milk 414 799 1620 that is the Akinet Mortgage Talk and Text line congressional representatives and senators in both Wisconsin and in New York are going to the Trump administration and saying hey you know you, you're you've been talking a lot about trying to preserve you know um, american business um this is one of these examples. Canada has now changed this policy. It is messing over the dairy farmers. You know, you need to do something. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. that's the Acunet Mortgage uh, talk and text line. Should, should the Trump administration get involved? Is this a case of Canada screwing over American dairy farms? And, again, we're all sympathetic to that because of this is, in fact, Wisconsin. Um, is this a case of that? Or is this a case of Canada saying, hey, Canada first, you know, we've got dairy farmers here. We're just doing stuff to encourage them. We're looking out for our own. Should we blame Canada? I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 940. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 44 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ How did he become the only governor in American history to win a recall election What was it like to go toe to toe with Donald Trump on a presidential debate platform Wouldn't that have been interesting Governor Scott Walker is going to sit down with me one week from this evening and you can be there to see it live It is Insight 2017 at the Country Springs Hotel in Pewaukee It is Wednesday night April 19th one week from this evening Tickets are available now they're going quickly go online wtmj.com we hope to see as many you pos- as possible out there. We have an absolutely great lineup. Hey, while you're at wtmj.com, check out our mobile app page. You can download the various podcasts. Matter of fact, I was talking to somebody yesterday. He was telling me how they listen to the show on a regular basis. I listen to it when it's on the air when you're on the air, but I, I miss things, and so I, I just download the podcast and catch up. You can certainly do that as well. We podcast all the shows we broadcast here on WTMJ and in, in the weekday. Um, Weekday slots. In addition to that, you'll hear some special podcasts, some voices that you um, don't typically hear on the radio. So check that all out. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Chuck on the South Side writes: As much as I'm all for our dairy farmers, how can we blame the Canadian farmers for wanting to make a living? Also, we're talking about this trade dispute that has um, just arisen for forever, essentially. Uh, Dairy farmers in this country, but particularly Wisconsin dairy farmers and in New York State, have been able to export this ultra-filtered milk, which you use to make cheese. They have been able to export it into Canada without having to pay a a tariff. It has been duty-free. That has now changed. And as a result, it is no longer economically desirable for the Canadian processors to buy this. It's now more desirable because of the duties and these different things that have been applied. It's now more desirable for them to um, buy the stuff from the Canadian farmers. The Canadian farmers love this, but the U.S. farmers, particularly a number of dairy farmers in Wisconsin, are screaming bloody murder. They're saying, hey, this isn't, this isn't fair. Um, Neil writes, I think most Ford vehicles are made in Canada. Just place $1,000 tax on that. See, here, here's the thing, and here's how I analyze this. I'm a free market guy. I I think I I believe in the idea of supply and demand. And if you have a situation where you have have a product and, for example, the United States dairy farmers are producing for for whatever reason, they are producing that product. It is of the same quality and they are producing it um, in larger quantities and they're willing to sell it for less. I think that they should be able to sell that for less, and they have been able to do that to connect to the Canadian market for years and years and years. This is nothing but and Canada wants to say well this isn 't a trade war. well, nuts to that that is precisely what this is. The Canadian government wants to be protectionist towards its 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 um, agriculture industry towards its milk producers okay that that 's fine that 's fine. you do that. But effectively, you then don't allow the U.S. dairy farmers to compete, you know, openly and fairly. And if you are going to do that, don't tell me that it isn't a trade war. And I think this is something, and I agree with Governor Walker because he's been on this for several months now. I mean, I think this is one where the Trump administration needs to go to Canada and say, all right, look, you know, we, we have we have these free trade agreements. This has been something that under the free trade agreements, you know, this ultra-filtered milk has been going into Canada without any sort of uh, duties or any charges like that. If you want to play the game that way, if you now decide that you want to set up artificial barriers that are going to screw over Wisconsin dairy farmers, okay, fine. Then we're going to start looking at things that we bring into into the United States from Canada, and we're going to start doing the same. I understand the idea of trying to want to be protectionist and help out, you know, Canadian farmers or the US farmers or, or whatever. But when you start to get protectionist in this capacity and say, All right, here's what we're going to do, we're going to start punishing in this case, punishing the U.S. dairy market, I think you have to expect that there's going to be some retaliation. There's either free trade or there's not free trade. And you can't allow a particular country, say, like Canada, to decide to say, okay, pick and choose. All right, it's been duty-free. Now we're going to start charging, and we're going to effectively screw over all these dairy farmers that are in the U.S. If Canada persists in this policy, the United States should – Do something to reciprocate. And uh, again, just to send the message that we're either free trade partners or we're not free trade partners, but you cannot pick and choose. So, yeah, I do think it is fair to blame Canada for this. There's a larger issue with dairy products. There is there is worldwide overproduction right now, and I think that's perhaps a larger issue that's going to have to be sorted out. And you do have a glut of dairy products on the market now, and that's driving down the cost, and it's making it more difficult, particularly for some small dairy farmers to stay in business. And that, that, those are, are valid issues as well. But this particular issue that is causing all the pain to 75 or so dairy farms in Wisconsin, it's not because of the worldwide glut of, of cheese or of, of whole milk It's because of a specific program and policy being implemented by the Canadian government to help Canadian dairy farmers who otherwise couldn't compete at the expense of U.S. dairy farmers. And that's fine if they want to do it, but then maybe that means we've got to relook at a number of the policies we have regarding imports from Canada. Just saying. 950 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 953, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. (laughs) The United debacle continues to go on and on. The United Airlines CEO, at least for the time being, his name is Oscar Monos, who originally came out and said, our people did nothing wrong. We followed procedures. And that kind of went over, well, pretty much as well as, remember when the public relations people decided we have to rename the Marquette men's basketball team and we're going to call it the Marquette Gold? Well, this was, this this the way United Airlines handled this debacle on the flight from Chicago to Louisville from last Sunday, I mean, it's... It's up there with the Marquette Gold. It's up there with New Coke. I mean, this this will be taught in public relations classes for decades as a classic example of how not to handle a particular situation. Well, after spending a day or two defending his employees and saying, oh, we just handled this by policy, um, now he, he says, oh, we made a mistake. Um, The now statement is United Airlines um, won't allow law enforcement officers to haul seated paying passengers off its flights again. We're not going to put a law enforcement official to take them off to remove a book paid passenger, seated passenger. We can't do that. He now apologized for this incident, says it is truly horrific, says we're going to review this. I'm not sure it's going to make any difference because they had a chance to do the right thing right away and, and they didn't. And. So far, I mean, you've seen the input, uh, the impact. Uh, United Airlines stock was off like 1.1 percent, stock value down like about $250 million. And that, I think, is pretty much a direct reaction to the fact that a lot of people saw this and said, hey, um, if we have a choice, and the reality is a lot of times when you're flying, you don't have choices. But if we have a choice, there is no way that we are going to fly on United Airlines. I guess... One of the things, the good things that come of this is I think perhaps it's going to cause a lot of airlines to take a step back and re-examine their procedures. I, for one, don't care what it says in the small print on the back of that little ticket that I buy. I think that if I pay for a seat and if I show up, I should be entitled to that seat. And that the airlines need to adjust their overbooking problems accordingly. I mean, I understand, and somebody was explaining to me, that well, there's a lot of business travelers that have to change at the last minute. And so, you know, they, they need these seats and they're preferred flyers and that's why you have to have them. I, I don't care about any of that type of stuff. I mean, I just the bottom line is, if I buy a seat on a plane, I think I should be guaranteed, again, making allowances for bad weather or for things that are beyond the control of the airline, mechanical problems or whatever, I think I should be entitled to that seat. And this idea that you can just arbitrarily pull me off because you've got some small print on the back of the airline ticket, I think that is ridiculous. But here's the third day story on this that I found to be very interesting. And I want to give credit to the um, International Business Times um, who, who went back And we're looking at the history of United Airlines. In 2014, um, the FAA was considering imposing rules on the airlines, the FAA and the Department of Transportation, were considering imposing rules on the airlines that would have required more disclosures of the fees that airlines charge to customers. And... One of the rules was designed to compel airlines to more explicitly disclose fees that were charged for reserving specific seats. So if you want these seats, they they wanted more disclosure of this. United Airlines, this is back in September of 2014, was fighting this. They, They didn't want to have to disclose more information to those of us who might be paying customers. So here's what they said. Here's what they said in trying to fight this disclosure rule. They said, there's no need to do this. You don't need to do this, Department of Transportation. And I'm actually I'm looking at the comment they sent in. They wrote, including advanced seat assignment charges among the basic ancillary service fees that must be disclosed as part of an initial fare display makes no sense. So they're saying, don't do this. There's no need to require it. And here's what they told the Department of Transportation. And I quote, every ticket, of course guarantees a passenger a seat on the plane with no additional mandatory seat assignment charges every ticket of course guarantees a passenger a seat on the plane with no additional mandatory assignment charges later in the filing they went on to promise regulators that United guarantees every ticketed passenger a seat. This is what they wrote. Importantly, every passenger who buys a ticket on a United flight or a flight on any of United's partners or competitors in the United States will be assigned a seat at no additional charge, though in some cases this will still happen at the gate. So they went on and they were very, very clear to say, if you get a ticket, you know, we do not, you're gonna be guaranteed that seat. That's not my language. That's the language that United Airlines used back in September of 2014 when they were trying to fight disclosure rules on another sort of matter. Well, now it turns out that that wasn't correct, what they told the Department of Transportation when they were trying to fight disclosure rules. This continues to be an ongoing debacle. It has been completely mishandled by United Airlines from the beginning. But if this makes airlines re-examine when they toss people off involuntarily, maybe it's a good thing. It's 959, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up, for goodness sakes, clean up the cemetery. Stick around. It's 1008, this is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This controversy first brewed up in, well around Memorial Day of last year, and, and I remember when this first happened, I, I actually I took a drive down to Muskego to look at this little cemetery. There's a little cemetery in Muskego. It, it's off of Ryan Road, um, and it's, it's called Luther Park Cemetery. It's only about a half acre. It, it's a, a small little cemetery, but it contains the burial sites of some of the earliest European settlers to this area, including... Luther Parker, which is why it's Luther Parker Cemetery, who is credited as being the Muskego area's first European settler. Um, in, in this cemetery are also the remains of um, Civil War veterans. Now, under Wisconsin law, veterans' graves must receive proper and decent care from cemetery owners. And this is, this is under the responsibility of Mosquito, So, you know, Mosquito is the one that is responsible for taking care of this cemetery. Now, again, this controversy brewed up last year around Memorial Day, because there was going to be a, a ceremony, Civil War group, you know, wanted to have during the Memorial Day weekend, a salute to the two Civil War soldiers that are buried in this cemetery. And what they found was the the cemetery um is at at best you would describe it as overgrown at worst, you would describe it as a complete and total disaster. One of the uh, spokespeople at the time said it's a weed patch; they call it a wild plant sanctuary right so I remember last May I took a drive down there and it, you, know, you can call it a wild plant sanctuary. I would just call it completely overgrown and completely untended. I mean, that's, that. That's, I guess, you know, imagine your lawn, and if you decided to just let your lawn grow for five years, you could call it a wild plant sanctuary, because there would be a lot of wild plants that were there, but it would also just be completely overgrown. You know, you have weeds that are over the various uh, headstones and things like that. And, and mosquitoes really hasn't done much to to do that. The city um, has essentially refused to clear weeds and debris from the graves at this tiny little little cemetery. Um, They say it's a plant sanctuary um, and it's uh, a native prairie in Muskego. They do clear away some plants with a controlled burn, but when they do that, that, that That's an issue because it it then damages these these headstones that have been there for forever and ever and ever, but mosquito is kind of dug in they say okay well we're it's a wild plant sanctuary, so essentially we're just going to let this become completely and totally overgrown. Well, this is back in the news because the situation really hasn't gotten any better from last year and you've got Memorial Day coming up again well what happened yesterday is the Civil War group that preserves the graves of Civil War soldiers has now gone to court they are suing the city of Muskegon and they're saying look here's what we want you to do we want you to mow the grass and trim the weeds at the cemetery where these soldiers are are buried Um, I'm going to read a little bit from the press release that that they say. They say, the weeds and grass at the cemetery are taller than some of the tombstones. Um, Wisconsin law requires proper and decent care for all the graves of veterans. There's nothing proper and decent about weeds growing over the graves at Luther Park Cemetery. We would just like Muskego to mow around the graves and show some respect for the dead. All right, let's open up the phone lines. 414-799-1620. Um, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. They the, the Civil War group has now gone out. They have hired an attorney, Frank Gimbel, from downtown, and they've now filed a lawsuit You know, um, in circuit court out in Waukesha saying that they want Muskego to do what they argue Muskego is required to do under the law. And what I think some of us would argue is just the basic decent thing, which is, okay, Cut the grass a couple times. Take out some of these weeds. Show some respect. All right, 414 799 1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talking text line. I think it is unfortunate co- that it has come to the stage that you need to f- have a lawsuit to try to force Muskego to do what I think that they should have to do, period. But let us tee this up. All right, Um. City of Muskego says, well, it's a wild plant sanctuary. Um, We just like the prairie look. You know, we want to preserve the prairie look with all the wildflowers and things like that. So what do we care if the weeds now grow taller than the tombstones? All right. Should the city do what I think is the right thing and cut, mow these, take out the weeds um, to preserve these grave sites? Or, hey, what the heck? So, you know, they're dead. They've been gone for a long time. Who cares? 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Danielle in Franklin. Danielle, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Uh, we tried. Cle- my family tried cleaning that up uh, oh, many years ago. Uh, we even brought our own lawnmower, and the kids were going to pick up the garbage and all that. And all of a sudden, one of the neighbors came running over to us and said, You've got to go. you got to go. The police will ticket you we go for what cleaning up a cemetery right <laughs> uh but you know the argument is well this has been for years well it's been for years because our hands have been uh tied, tied for not cleaning it but that stupid rule of the police are going to ticket us
0: okay now Danielle, uh, i just so pe- people who have i mean i drove past this last year i, I did because i wanted to see for myself what this looked like um this it's a mess down there. Is that an unfair thing to say? I mean, it's it's a mess, right?
2: Oh, but by no means is it uh, harsh. It's nothing more than a weed patch. Yep. And you can't see prairie grass. You can't see flowers. You see weeds. Right. And that's a disservice to our veterans.
0: Right. And, yeah, the weeds are, in many cases, again, they are, they, this was last year, and I'm sure it hasn't got, they were over the tombstones. The tomb, I mean, it's just, it is overgrown. It looks like. If you just let your lawn go for 15 years, this is what this is what it would look like. Um, okay, thanks again. Thanks for trying to help. 414-799-1620. That's the Equity Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right. Should Muskego is I think, first of all, it's unfortunate that it had to come to the point of a lawsuit. But is it time to just say, hey, look, go in, take out some of the weeds, mow around some of these graves. Let's give these veterans, let's give the people that are buried there the respect that they deserve. We continue the conversation. It's ten fifteen. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's ten eighteen. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Scott in Waterford. Scott, good morning. Good morning, Chuck. Yeah, I, I just think it's
5: totally ridiculous that, you know, the the leaders in, in, in Muskego don't, don't clean that up. Every time we drive by it, my wife and I always say, what in the heck? <laughs> I mean, the place is just, as you said, it's a weed patch. I mean, there's weeds in there that are four or five feet tall. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. And, you know, knowing some of the leaders there in Muskego, I don't understand what the heck the
0: problem is. I mean... You oh, know, right? yeah, they call it a plant sanctuary. No, it's, it's just an overgrown no. weed patch. And and my guess is, you know, if you were living in a residential area in Muskego and you let your lawn go like that, you'd have all sorts of complaints to the local alderman or whatever. Look, because it's an eyesore. The place is an eyesore to begin with, not to mention the fact that it's also a graveyard that is supposed to be tended to.
3: No, absolutely. And,
5: and if anyone's yard looked like that, I will guarantee you, the city would be right on top of them yeah. to take care of it. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. So you know, and, and who knows if the city has some problems, you know, financially with with mowing this or taking yeah. care of it. I have a feeling there's a lot of groups right. that would love to do it. Just like the woman before who said they want to do it. I mean, we've said that a number of times. We should just stop there and mow the darn thing, right? You know, right? Uh,
0: I mean, exactly. No, thank you. see, I mean, look. For example, there, there's a in the block I live in. There is, you know, one of the. There's a house, and one of one of my neighbors, um, has like one of these like natural lawns where you know they have all the wild plants and stuff are growing. But I will tell you, in in their defense, well, I don't particularly like the look. It's not my call. They, I think, they probably spend more time tending that that wild look. Than, than I do, um, you know, with with my lawn because it's easier just to kind of cut it. I mean, they're out there; they're manicuring. That it's it's not just like they let the whole thing go to seed. I mean, they, they work on that. And if this is in fact a plant sanctuary, okay, you go, you mow, you, you preserve, you, you work around the plants that are really the endangered species or whatever this is going to be. But I mean, this is just that's an excuse to just let weeds grow and grow and grow. Robert in Burlington, Robert, you're in six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Morning my note says that you are you're part of the the civil war veterans groups is bringing this lawsuit
3: that's correct i'm i'm commander of camp 15 colonel on c camp 15 uh we're the suvcw sons of union veterans of the civil war and uh yeah we were the ones that brought the suit forward
0: yeah what's the i mean obviously i know you've tried to work with uh the city for quite a while and apparently have gotten nowhere which is why this has had to lead to a lawsuit huh
3: yeah exactly uh you know our whole uh thing is uh these graves need to be uh taken care of uh the the state law requires uh, proper and decent care that is rather vague uh wording because proper decent care could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and uh you know, it it just there's there's garbage blowing around in there. There's buckthorn, there's bull thistles, there's prickly ash, there's uh, 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 multiflora rose, a lot of other noxious weeds, and uh, we we just really like to get this this problem solved. Plus, one of the fellows in our group, uh, Jerry Drought, that that cemetery was originally called the Drought Cemetery. He has 31 relatives buried in there, mm-hmm. and he would like to see his graves cleaned up, also. Yeah. So, uh, and another thing that
0: uh, that well, I guess let me just we, stop you at that point. I guess, I guess, and I don't. I don't necessarily see the idea of maintaining the graves and cleaning it up as necessarily being inconsistent with the idea that it's a, you know, like a plant sanctuary, because it would seem to me that you could go in there and you could do some mowing if you did it carefully and you can remove all the noxious weeds that you're talking about and still preserve the ones that you're trying to preserve. I mean, it just, it just sounds like Mosquito just doesn't want to put the effort to do it.
3: Well, that's kind of the way we feel about it, too. Well, uh, another thing that that we're looking at is uh, the fact that the the town of Muskego has a lot of green spaces. They have parks. They have other places. Uh, They have, uh, we understand that they just purchased a 45 acre or a 40 acre tract or something somewhere that they're going to turn into green space. And we feel that this little third of an acre, half an acre, whatever it is, where they have these so-called rare plants could be moved to one of these green spaces and and then this cemetery could be taken care of in sure. a proper and fitting manner.
4: Sure,
0: sure. And and my guess is, like one of our, pre- our previous callers said, you know, she tried to, she tried to go in there one time and clean it up, and it was stopped, it was warned that you're going to be ticketed and stuff. My guess is, groups like yours would be glad to go in and mow this every once in a while if oh, if you absolutely. were allowed to do it. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And and there's other groups, Boy Scouts. There's other people that would gladly volunteer to help clean this up and they may even help move the plants to one of the many many green spaces that muskego has
0: right so let the new green space okay let that become the area where you're going to do the the plant sanctuary and let the the cemetery that goes back hundreds of years be what it really is a cemetery and let it be tended properly
3: exactly that's Um, that's our whole thought on the whole thing We, we have a photograph of the cemetery in 1967 and it's finally manicured and we've put that out now to the media so that people can see that and this 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 statement that they made that the the pioneers buried their people amongst the wild flowers and and uh, you know whatever <laughs> that's totally untrue because it was always manicured we have photographs of cemeteries taken in the late 1800s and right after the civil war and the cemeteries are are mowed and taken care of and they didn't even have lawnmowers back then
0: yeah yeah um, it would be nice to have this all resolved by memorial day this year huh
3: absolutely
0: um thanks well, we're,
3: we're, yeah. we're going to have a, a ceremony out there regardless
0: yeah, but still, you should you shouldn't have to walk through buckthorn. <laughs> I mean, I I was just stunned by some of the pictures I saw. Where I mean, again, these okay, I, I appreciate natural prairie look and rare plant plants. We do too. But we're not talking. But that that's not what the majority of the stuff is. is they're they're weeds. <laughs> they're right. just they're just flat out weeds that could be pulled, and there would be no no nobody would be any worse off. Um, exactly. No. Yep. Th- thanks for the call, Robert. I I, I do appreciate it. it. It is one of these frustrating things that you've got these pointy headed bureaucrats down there that apparently are, are and i don't know how the lawsuit's going to turn out i mean i think it does depend on the wording but this is one of the things that what they are doing in mosquito and if you live in mosquito you should be outraged by this it's just fundamentally wrong we are not talking about you know 25 acres we're talking about a very very small historical cemetery that has been allowed to be overrun by weeds And, again, if there's some native plants there that you want to preserve, i got to believe that there's some way that you could move this around to allow you to still do what you're supposed to do under the law, which is mow the cemetery grass, tend it, or at least remove the things that we all agree are not precious, you know, things that need to be preserved that are just those type of weeds that when you see them in your garden, you pull them out. It's that simple. But yet it is taking a lawsuit to force people in mosquito at least to force the powers that be in mosquito to do what I think most of us would agree is the right thing. 1026, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's that time of the week where we have a chance to introduce the world to a new law. scafidian and opened the phone lines for there ought to be a law at 207. All right. Just in the last couple days, here's a couple of the stories. Milwaukee police searching for the driver who struck and killed a 54-year-old man on Milwaukee's north side Sunday. The intersection, right, this happened at uh, Sherman Boulevard and Capitol Drive. Um, so, again, hit-and-run, 54-year-old man killed. Now, this comes on, on the heels of something that happened, well, what, last Thursday. A woman is accused of killing a pedestrian after fleeing a hit-and-run crash. Drove <laughs> The woman accused of killing the pedestrian drove back and forth several times over the victim in an attempt to dislodge her before finally being stopped by witnesses, according to the criminal complaint. The driver, Shanice T. Davis, 28, of Watertown, then exited her SUV, lit a cigarette, and walked away while making a call on her cell phone. Carol Ann Daniel, 58, died in the hospital where she was taken shortly after being struck after 8.30 a.m. Thursday near 92nd and Lisbon. Davis was charged Monday with second-degree reckless homicide, according to the criminal complaint filed in Milwaukee County Circuit Court. Davis was driving a Ford Explorer when she collided collided with a Chevy Traverse near 92nd and West Capitol Drive, which is becoming the killing field for hit-and-run drivers in Milwaukee, injuring a woman and her son who were in the vehicle. So she runs into a Chevy Traverse. She then, this is the woman, drove off at a high rate of speed, ran a red light, struck a van at 92nd and Lisbon, She continued to flee before striking the 58-year-old woman who was in a crosswalk Walking north across Lisbon on the west side of the corner. Man who followed Davis from the first crash said that uh, the woman became trapped under the vehicle when it came to rest on a sidewalk, and that Davis drove back and forth four or five times in an attempt to dislodge her and flee the scene. Man grabbed the front bumper to try to stop Davis while another man tried to break her driver's side window. Another one who ran up to the SUV told Davis that someone was trapped under the vehicle, but she just yelled back at it and continued driving back and forth. So you get, I mean, this is last Thursday. At like what eight thirty in the morning and then of course you know sunday you have another situation Capitol drive and sherman boulevard all right now you might say all right th- th- this happens you have these hit and run driver situations you know and, and you, you can't draw too much from any one particular situation but, well here's the dazzling detail this is what this is april 12th april 12th so you know, three months and, and 12 days in the city of milwaukee alone the counting what happened last thursday and what happened on sunday the death toll from hit and run crashes in the city of milwaukee in little over 3 months is 7 seven people dead in the city of milwaukee alone by vi- because of hit and run crashes Now, I don't know about you, but I find that to be a staggering number. Just an absolutely staggering number. That you have seven people who have lost their lives because they have been crossing intersections. And, of course, there's probably other people who've been hit, you know, pedestrian car collisions, but that haven't resulted in hit and run where the person may be stuck around. But this is seven situations where people crossing the street have been hit and killed by drivers who then flee the scene. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I know the mayor and other people, city officials, hate it when I do topics like this. But one hit and run you could maybe understand. Two hit and runs you could maybe understand. Seven fatalities due to hit and run. And again, this doesn't, this doesn't begin to include all the other hit and runs that are out there where your car gets hit and people flee, um, traffic. Act. This is just seven people dead in three plus months because of hit and runs in the city of Milwaukee alone. I think this is a major public safety issue. And it's caused by a lot of things, including the general lawlessness and the irresponsibility and things like that that are going on. But it really is. This is something that I think it is now to a point where you wonder, in certain areas of this city, and these last ones happened on Capitol Drive, is it even safe to cross the street? We discuss. 414-799-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 1040 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. (laughs)
2: 10:43
0: Jeff Bracken, 620 WTMJ. One of our listeners writes, your short one uh, hit-and-run death. Hampton and Hopkins, a 60-year-old man on Saturday night. Description of vehicle, but no arrest as far as I know at this time. Yeah, my numbers say seven pedestrians dead to date in hit-and-run incidents in Milwaukee. One of the listeners says, uh, Kim says, it, it's actually, there's one more. I, it, it is just incredible that this is, is going on. We're talking about why, but we're also talking about whether or not, and is it even safe, to cross the street in certain parts of Milwaukee. John in Waukesha. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. BTMJ. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I agree with you. It's, terrible. it's like a war zone, and the thing is the police department is not patrolling. Uh, they speed up and down those streets a 35-mile-an-hour speed zone. They're going 50 to 60 miles an yep. hour, and you can tell by the accidents. Look at the accidents, how many rollovers there are. Right you've got to be going pretty fast and you hit
4: something and your vehicle rolls over.
0: Um, well, I, I, John, I, w- I was telling this story before. A few weeks ago, I was driving um, from the North Shore out to Pewaukee. I was going down Silver Spring Road on Saturday night about 7 o'clock. I swear to God, I mean, it was like I, I was driving the speed limit or a little bit above. I was being passed by cars in, like, the the right lane, like the bicycle lane or whatever, tinted cars driving 70 and 80 miles an hour. I got to the corner of 90, the stoplight at 92nd and Silver Spring. I, I'm I'm in a lane. I'm stopped. There's a car next to me, tinted windows, can't see in it. It stopped. I watched the guy. I, I think it was a guy. Um at the red light, the light is red, he just, he stopped, and then he just floors it, goes through the intersection, swerves around cars, damn near hit somebody that was crossing the street. It's, it's just, it is a miracle more people aren't dying.
4: Well, it's
3: dangerous to even be in your car. Just like you said, let alone try to walk across the street. Yep. But the question, and the question is, why aren't the speed limits being adhered to by the Milwaukee Police Department?
0: Right. Well, and- or or right. right. I mean, or, thanks. I mean, I, I look. I understand that the cops have a lot of stuff to do. I I get that, especially in the city of Milwaukee. But on, I mean, if you want to talk about stuff that would seem to be willing to generate, like. Well, high levels of enforcement. And is it going to stop every one of the hit and runs? Because let let's let's understand each other. I mean the first problem is that you have People who are driving irresponsibly, maybe it's stolen cars, whatever, who don't care and then hit people and then drive off because they don't care or they're drunk or they just don't want to get caught or they think that they're going to be able to get away with it, all of which comes in. But when this starts happening on a regular basis, it is a major quality of life issue, and I think it needs to be a priority for the cops to say, all right, look, we at least want to send the message that if you're in a crosswalk and you've got the the walk light, that there's a good chance that – you know, we're at least going to let you get through that intersection without getting killed. Peggy in Brookfield. Peggy, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
6: Good morning. Um, I was um, just want to comment on, on the staggering number of seven sure. as far as the deaths in the city. Sure. And actually, I think that's a low number considering the way the drivers are driving these days. I mean, it's just I come home at 1030 at night from the south side all the way out to Brookfield. I've put my phone now on video and put it on my dash and I record myself driving home and just to show my husband the, tr- the people I'm driving with that I'm amazed I am not killed some nights. Yeah. First of all, the biggest problem we have in this city is headlights. Nobody puts a headlight on anymore. Right. If you don't, and you flash them at them and they don't think there's a problem, they just keep driving. And you can't see them when you're on the freeway doing 55 or 65 and you've got a car coming up behind you and you yep. don't even see them because there's no headlights. It's amazing.
0: You know, it, no, it is. And, and again, keep in mind, this is that this isn't the number of hit and run accidents. This is just the number of people who've died in hit and run accidents. Right. But, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm sure if you just looked overall at hit and run accidents, I mean, it would be it would just be a lot greater. No, thanks, thanks for the call. Pay. Th- this is a public safety issue. And it needs to be a a priority in a wake-up call. And I understand we're we're patting ourselves on the back because we're building a downtown streetcar to take yuppies from the bus depot to the Lower East Side. Well, Well, maybe we want to spend as much time worrying about people who are killed because they have the misfortune to walk in an intersection in the city of Milwaukee when some Yahoo decides to blow through it. And again, I wouldn't be making a big deal of this if this was the isolated situation you've always had hit and run fatalities i guess i am just stunned by seven or as one of the listeners says now eight i don't know but regardless in in, and that's that's, you you extract it's not even the summer yet i mean my gosh the summer is when you know people are out and about the summer is when you really hear these numbers kind of explode jim and franklin jim you're on 620 wtmj jim good morning
5: i'm on the air hi
0: jim you're on the air
5: Hey, okay, all right. I'm with you on this. I'm on,
6: on, on your team. What do you do with these people, though? They are irresponsible.
1: You stop them. You give them a ticket. No big deal. They're not going to pay the fine. You take their license away. No
0: they big still deal. drive. They're
1: going to keep on driving. But the only thing you can do is
4: put them in jail. Yep. And I don't think our system allows that.
0: Well, I mean the system, I mean, now thanks. I mean, after a while, I mean, thanks to no, you you, you do now. Now it's not that the system doesn't allow it. it. It might be that you have judges that don't have the guts to do it. But that's of course a, another story. But yeah, all right. I, I mean. I will give you, I'll, I'll give you an example. You have somebody, you pull somebody over for, uh, let's, let's say they, they, they've caused an accident through reckless driving, and it turns out that their license is suspended, and it turns out that there's no insurance for the car and all those different types of things. Yeah, I think you prosecute them, and yes, I, I think you put them in jail. You need to get the bad drivers off the street. Now, I'd go farther. I'd start seizing cars. I know some people don't like that idea, but, I mean, I'd start taking the cars of, of these folks, But, of course, a lot of times people are driving around stolen cars anyways, in which case, if I was a judge, I'd be putting them in jail for that, too. And and you've got to get a handle on this. These are quality of life issues that really, at some point in time, if stuff like this continues, everybody who can get out of a community does get out of a community. And there are wonderful things going on in the city of Milwaukee. I get it. There are areas of the city of Milwaukee that are just absolutely thriving, and there are communities that are thriving, and there are other parts of the city that are nothing but war zones, whether it's on the northwest side where you now have neighborhoods where people are afraid when they go to work that their home's going to be broken into, much less, Lord forbid, taking a three day weekend not knowing when you come back whether you're going to find any of your stuff. I mean, there are areas that were never crime plagued before that are crime plagued. There are roads that people used to routinely drive, which, frankly, now a lot of people really rethink whether or not they're going to make that decision to go down those roads. Sandy in Milwaukee. Sandy, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
6: Uh, Well, I just mentioned to your screener about the accident on Hampton and Hopkins, and he said that someone had mentioned that that was all on the same weekend. Right. I lived two houses from the accident on Sherman and Capitol. I did not see it happen, but it is a devastating feeling to see how hard resuscitation for life was being done on this gentleman, and nothing came of it except a body bag.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. yep.
6: And, and, you know, I've driven home, and you've had the experience, too, where I stop for the stop sign, and the car in back of me will go around me to pass me to just, he's not going to stop. Uh,
0: yeah, I- I- exactly. Um,
6: Something's got to be done about the traffic. I know we're short-handed on police and everything, and they're stressed, and there are many more things that probably have higher priority, but... You know, somebody laying
0: in the road isn't a pretty picture. Oh no, absolutely and, and it's gonna happen more and more and more regularly. Now thank yeah. that that's that, that's the thing. And look and I, I understand police are strapped. But but the truth is these are quality of life issues, like I say. And now I, I grew up in this community. Okay, I've lived here almost all my life, and I know that my position is not unique. There were roads, there were always areas of the city of Milwaukee that you just didn't go into. But you know, especially late at night. Now there are major roadways that I think a lot of people are just saying they not safe to drive on. And those same roadways are not safe in many cases to cross, even if you're crossing the street with the light. And there's only so much of that that can be allowed to happen before before people ultimately make the decision to say, okay, we're getting out, and will the last person to leave the city please turn out the lights? It's 1052. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1056, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Tragic story about a state patrol trooper who was killed in a crash uh, near the Wisconsin Dells. Um, Beyond just the the tragedy of of the loss, it is raising some of these questions. There are reports that suggest that the the reason this might have happened is that the trooper was beginning the process of trying to chase somebody. Um, Coming up in about 15 minutes, actually about 10 minutes, we're going to discuss whether or not We need to rethink policies on chasing people and law enforcement operating vehicles at high speed. We'll talk about that in about 10 minutes. Um, I tell you, this is one of these examples of uh, collateral damage. Bill Cosby, and. I think back and in all the years I've been doing this and all the different celebrity interviews I did and and actually and this was of course before all the scandal broke involving Bill Cosby I had a chance to interview him on a couple occasions he was coming to Milwaukee to do things and they were doing promotional interviews and had just I mean he he was some some celebrities when you interview them are very very difficult interviews others are William Shatner was a very difficult interview. Um, Bill Cosby, just, just a great guy, played along and enjoyed it. And, of course, now Bill Cosby, who, who used to be sort of the, the gold standard for, you know, ultimate family man and a great parent and all these type of things, that, that whole dynamic has, of course, changed with all the allegations that are coming out about all the women who are alleging that, you know, over the years he would drug them and sexually assault them and things like that. And so, I mean, the, Bill Cosby's image has been now forever damaged. And Bill Cosby has nobody to blame but himself for it because this is one of those situations where all these different women telling the same story, you got to believe that where there's smoke, there's fire. But for the longest time, I mean, Bill Cosby was a, you know, he was a guy who, when you talked about, you know, children, I mean, he was a guy that, you know, people really looked up to. Here's one of the interesting stories. Um, last year, the the book that was one of the most challenged books where people sought to have it banned from libraries was Bill Cosby's series of books called Little Bill. Um, This is a, he's written... A series of books, which are children's books, that look at the life and life lessons of Bill Jr., a five-year-old Philadelphia boy. The series became an Emmy Award-winning Saturday morning cartoon series that ran off and on for about seven years in uh, the early part of the... from like 1999 to 2006. This is this incredibly popular series of children's books. It is now on the top of the most banned book list, not because it's not a great children's book series, but because of who its author is, which I think raises some interesting questions. But also it's part of the collateral fallout that you have from a scandal involving somebody who used to be an icon like bill cosby ed from watertown ed from watertown is the winner of our four tickets to insight it is a week from tonight get tickets at wtmj.com it's ten fifty nine. this is jeff wagner Right, 620 WTMJ. Um, over the last couple of days, I had worked up a, a topic to discuss with you involving the the large number of of deaths that we've seen. And I don't mean to be too morbid. On today's show, I know we're talking about pedestrians being killed in intersections, but but deaths caused by um, people who decide to flee from law enforcement. And you know, drive at high rates of speed and, you know, bad things end up happening. Um, one of the stories I was looking at just the other day, it's um, um, Monday, so Monday, April 3rd. So, you know, a week and a half ago, early Monday morning, um, you know, two young men who apparently it was like 2 o'clock a.m., 29-year-old guy, 22-year-old guy, their cousins, apparently what happened is they they see a police car, the police car starts to come towards them. They, they take off at a high rate of speed. Driver loses control of the vehicle, um, smashes into a light pole, then smashes into a tree, and both people are, are killed. There was a, a horrible story that made national news about you know two killed, seven injured, all under the age of 14, that occurred um, just a few days ago. And that story was, uh, again, it was out of state, but again, it was um, from Nebraska. It was was a situation where all these young kids are in this car, they're joyriding, they see a police officer, they take off at a high rate of speed trying to flee, and they end up in a really horrible situation, you know, a few of them dead, many of the others uh, of them killed. And I was thinking about, you know, talking about it from that perspective, and then you just have this absolutely horrible story yesterday involving the Wisconsin State Trooper, um, if you haven't heard, and if you're wondering, if you're driving around and you see the, the flags at half-staff, um, it's because it's to, to honor the, this trooper, Anthony Borostowski, 34 years old, who lost his life yesterday morning. Um, apparently, what what happened is he was on, you know, he was on assignment, so he's in a state patrol car um, near the Wisconsin Dells on I-90, I-94, and the, the details are starting to emerge, but what the... The Madison papers are reporting is that what they think ended up happening is that um, he he was beginning to try to track down a a, a speeder. Now, he, he saw a car moving at a high rate of speed. They don't know for sure. But what he did was he he accelerated. He was starting to drive himself. At a high rate of speed, to try to you know pull over presumably the car that he saw we don 't know all the details, but that 's at least what at least the initial working theory that the Madison papers are reporting and What happened is is he 's starting to accelerate um, he he loses control of his car, which leaves the interstate and then crashes into a tree he 's going at a high rate of speed, but he 's getting up to speed presumably to presumably to try to chase the person who is speeding he hits a tree and he loses his life so again you have another one of these situations where they're going to look at road conditions or things like that but they appear to at least the working theory appears to be that um this was this was again it it was caused by by speed and was one of these unfortunate sort of accidents most of the time when you hear about people who are and this wasn't This wasn't a car chase per se, but this was the officer accelerating who's going apparently very, very fast, but, again, doing his job. Um, Most of the time when you hear about people who lose their lives in car chases, it's people who are driving high rates of speed. It's people who are driving really, really fast. They're trying to flee the police. They're not skilled, and they don't know what they're doing, and then they end up losing control, and bad things happen. But it always raises the underlying question about Whether or not, whether or not we we should pursue, whether or not we should chase, whether or not we should accelerate, or whether it's better simply to let people go away. And I I understand that I don't think that's necessarily what's going to be what happened with this particular trooper. But I do think it's going to be what happens in a lot of these different situations where, especially around here, you have the bad guys that make the decision that we are going to flee from the cops. We're going to run away from them. You know, we're going to see if we can elude them. And in Milwaukee, you know that under certain circumstances, the police are going to let them go. In other circumstances, they will end up following them. But almost always, bad things end up happening when the people decide to drive away at high rates of speed. 414-799-1620. That's the accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think law enforcement has to. I think law enforcement almost always has to pursue people that are trying to, to get away. Or in the case of again, if you're a state patrol or you're a law enforcement officer on, on out, you know, patrolling the freeways or whatever, and you see somebody driving recklessly or you see somebody driving at a high rate of speed, I think you have to try to pull them over. I think you almost always have to pursue. Now. If there gets to be a situation where it's simply unsafe to continue doing that because the person is driving so recklessly or you've got somebody that's driving at a high rate of speed down Wisconsin Avenue at three o'clock in the afternoon, putting all sorts of lives in danger, then I think you always have to use common sense and decide to back off. But I, I, I do think now perhaps more than ever especially given the number of stolen cars that are out there, given the number of carjackings that are out there, given the number of bad guys that are on the road, I don't think you can just let them get away. I think you have to pursue. 414-799-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. But unfortunately, when you do pursue or when people decide to flee from the cops at high rates of speed, some of the things, there's going to be some bad things that end up happening. Most times, it's going to happen to the people who pursue, but occasionally, it might happen to the pursuers. Nevertheless, I think you have to try to do everything you can to apprehend somebody when you believe they may have committed a crime or when they are fleeing from you at a high rate of speed. 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1116 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Do you want to see the police chase? We discuss. It's 1118 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Hey, tune in tomorrow, 910 or thereabouts. Sometimes it's nine oh nine, sometimes it's nine eleven, but right around there for your next chance to follow the Brewers. Listen to me at nine ten or thereabouts as I give away a four pack of tickets to see the Brewers play the Cardinals later this month. And you can qualify to follow the Brewers down to Chicago this May. How cool is that? A game at Wrigley Field. Follow the Brewers. It is sponsored by West Bend the Silver Lining. It's sponsored by Noodles and Company, and of course the home of the Brewers 620 WTMJ. Brewers got a big win last night, hopefully it's the start of a successful road trip what is a nine-game road trip I think the first road trip of the year but best to get off to a win and they certainly did all right I was just I I've been seeing story after story after story lately of people who end up losing their lives because they decide to run from the police and that it's, it's one of the risks you take. And, of course, we've had very, a number of very high-profile stories about people who um, have been just innocent victims. You know, you're, you know, you're driving through that intersection when you have the idiot who's driving 95 miles an hour trying to get away from the police, who drives through the red light and slams into you. And, unfortunately, a lot of times you have the innocent victims as well. Or many times you have the people who are, again, being pursued they're the ones who lose control of the car, and they end up dead. And then occasionally you have the situations that demonstrates, again, how difficult it is to be in law enforcement, where occasionally you have the, the pursuer that um, ends up being a victim. The um, Again, with the the state trooper who lost his life yesterday in the crash near the Wisconsin Dells, the early reports are that, that he may have been involved in at least getting into the beginning process of trying to chase another vehicle is the way it's being reported. So there, there's a risk to law enforcement as well the question becomes is there ever a point where there's too much risk and what you need to do is just simply say "Okay, maybe as a policy we are not going to pursue. I reject that because the, the bottom line is people. there is a reason why people run from the police. There, there, there just is. There is a reason why people flee. It means that they have done bad things. That's That's it. And if you don't catch them they will continue to do bad things so let's say you've got a group of carjackers that are driving around in a stolen car that they have taken at gunpoint from somebody and you you see the car you know it's been involved the police are able to immediately tell that that's a car that was involved in a carjacking if you don't pursue and catch the people that are in the car As sure as night follows day, you know that those people in that car, they're they're not going to stop with that. They're going to be out and they're going to be committing other crimes. And maybe the next crime, maybe the next day when they go to stick a gun in somebody's face and take their car, the person resists a little and end up shooting that person. That's why it is important to catch people who are out there committing these crimes. You've got to get them off the streets. And I don't care whether it's a bunch of 14-year-olds that have stolen their, you know, their 25th car and are back out on the streets because, again, some circuit court judge decided that they want to give the kid 15 or 20 different chances, or whether it's the you know, 25-year-old gangbanger that's out carjacking vehicles to use to facilitate the drug trade or, or whatever. You have to do everything you possibly can to catch them. It is one of the risks that comes with being involved in law enforcement, and it's why we should appreciate and treasure people in law enforcement on a regular basis because every day brings dangers that for most of us, you know, we, we just cannot begin to comprehend. But it's important to get the bad guys off the street. And if that means trying to chase from time to time, you've got to chase from time to time. It's 1122, Chef Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1124, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right. One of the, I think one of the stars in the state legislature is uh, Representative Joe Sanfilippo, who's in the state assembly. And Joe was a guest when I used to host the Sunday TV show from time to time. He's been a guest on the program on multiple occasions. He has, this is an idea of going back to the future. He wants to take us back to when this used to be, this always used to be the law. In Wisconsin up until about uh, 2007 and what Filippo wants to do is he wants to bring it back here's the proposal he suggests that we should take away food stamps from Wisconsin parents okay all right I understand some people are out there the antennas out let's take away food stamps how can you do that he wants to take away food stamps from Wisconsin parents who miss child support payments he said he thinks it would strengthen families all right um san Filippo says this bill makes sure that somebody's standing behind me saying you brought a child into this world you need to own up to your responsibility of caring for that child under the proposal parents who refuse to acknowledge paternity or are late on child support payments for more than three months, would lose eligibility for food share benefits. Food share is, of course, a federally funded food stamp program for low-income households. Um, This, again, was state law until 2007. Now, the vast majority of child support payments, about 75%, are paid on time, and um, they are able to collect money later on for most people, but, but... there are still the deadbeat parents that are out there this law would not apply to parents who have worked out alternative payment plans with the court so if if you were in a situation where hey you've got this you've got this child support payment that's out there and, and you're not able to make the payment Alright, and you went to the court and you, you know, said, alright, look, I, I've got to make alternative arrangements. Then this wouldn't apply. But this applies to the deadbeat parents. The ones who are simply making the decision that we're not going to pay and then not trying to make any alternate arrangements. Well, San Filippo says, alright, let's, let's pull the food stamp benefits for people that fit in. Some of the Democrats are, you know, going well. We're not, we're not sure that we want to, uh, you know, do this. Um, in many cases, of course, if you're making the child support payments, you're not the custodial parent. In most cases, probably in all cases, you're not the custodial parent. Interestingly, one of the lefties who's opposing this said, "Well, if you pull the child stamp, the food stamp uh, authorization, and the access." from the non-custodial parent because they haven't made child support payments, well, maybe they'd be less likely to have food in the home when the children visit them. Yeah, like the children are visiting them. But four one four seven nine is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, is this a reasonable position to say that you know if you brought somebody into the world and you have been ordered to make child support payments and you are failing to make those child support payments and you haven't gone to the court, to try to work out some alternative arrangement or explain why you can't make them to get them canceled or whatever. If you're purely the deadbeat parent, is it unreasonable to say, okay, we're going to take your food share benefits away from you? 414-799-1620. That's the Akinet Mortgage talk and text line. Once again, is the risk of being labeled as the cruel conservative? I, I, I think this is just another arrow in the quiver of trying to get people to own up to their responsibilities and trying to make people recognize that you know when it comes to for example child support that is in fact a priority and for the people who cannot really make the payments because of their financial situation or otherwise well then then the avenue is to go into court and to explain to the judge or the court commissioner whoever why you can't make the child support payments arrange a workable plan do something responsible but not simply ignore what your responsibilities are. I actually think San Filippo's on to something and candidly this was the law back before 2007 and I think it worked reasonably well on this make people responsible. And the more we can make people responsible And the more we can use carrots and sticks to encourage them to be responsible, I think the better off we are all going to be. San Filippo is on the right track. It's 1134. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. How do you get the likes of Paul McCartney and the Rolling Stones to play your stage? What's the key to convincing some of the most famous musical acts in history to come to your city? We'll pull the curtain back on the secrets of Summerfest. When Don Smiley and Bob Babish join me for Insight 2017, that's one week from tonight. You won't want to miss this rare sit-down with two of the entertainment industry's heaviest hitters. Tickets available now online at wtmj.com. Hope to see you there. So I mentioned this um, yesterday over the weekend. I finally broke down. I know I've been talking about this for a long time. I, I traded in my my Ford Escape SUV 2010. Got got a new car, a new like kind of daily driver. Um, SUV, one new small sport utility vehicle. One of the things, and it was time to trade it in at like 82,000 miles, and it was starting to have some of those minor problems. It was a great car, a great car, but it was starting to have some of those minor problems. But one of the things that was going on is I had gadget envy. I I just, all my friends who had newer cars... Everybody had all the bill or newer cars, including Hondo, yes, who used to mock me, my producer Hondo, say, hey, I can't believe you don't have this in your car. Um, but it was all the, these different things, and everybody who had either newer cars or cars of the same vintage that were more expensive cars, and it was things like heated seats. I just, I understand that might sound excessive, but it was just kind of a nice. Luxury. I'd get in these cars on cold winter nights with heated seats and be so nice. And the backup cameras and all that stuff. And this, this, this car has, I mean, it's state of the art. It's got all the different bells and whistles that are in there. And it is kind of a little bit overpowering. The woman I'm dating now, she keeps saying, okay, you've got to promise me that you're not going to do what I know you want to do, which is like fidget with all these things while you're driving. Just, if you want to learn how to work these things, sit in the driveway and, and work them. And I say, yes, dear, I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to do that. But, but it, it is so very cool. There's all these different things going on, and I know that I, right now, only know how to do about probably about a quarter of the things that were there. But one of the cool things that I was playing with, with yesterday, and then they explained this to me, and I guess it didn't really sink in, is I have, again, I, I'm a huge music fan, if you're a list, regular listener to the show, I'm a, I'm a huge music fan, and I still... I know most people have their their music on their phone. I still have a separate MP three player an, an iPod and it's got about six thousand songs on it. Well in, in this car and I understand if you've got a new car, maybe this isn't so cool. You of course everybody knows that. But in this car in the front seat there's two USB connections, you know, where you like plug in so I can take my iPod, I plug it into the USB connection, and then it it's automatically you can play you know, you can play any song on the iPod through the car stereo and stuff. And it's just so th- last night I, w- I was driving around, and it was just so very cool. So I'm listening to all the, the music, the 6,000 songs on the iPod, and of course you, c- you can do it through your phone or however, but I'm thinking that was really cool. And I kept thinking, as this technology becomes more and more prevalent, as, as this becomes the standard in more and more cars, I, I do I'm starting to think, okay, what, what is going to be the future of terrestrial music radio, for example, when – I mean, there's always going to be people want to hear new music and stuff, but for, like, the classic hit stations, if, if you can just – if you can just now, and it becomes ubiquitous in cars, and you can take your MP3 player or your phone or wherever you got your music stored, and, you, you know, for the classic hits, and you can just, like, plug that in or hook up, you know, again through the Wi-Fi or whatever – I mean, you know, is is there going to be a need for that? So anyways, it's cool. I'm driving around playing with all the the stuff and listening to the tunes. And so I'm kind of wondering, okay, what is going to be the future? Not today, not tomorrow, but five, 10, you know, 15 years from now from especially some of the music radio, especially the I mean, if you're into the if you're into like, uh, again, classic rock from the 70s. All right. Well, I've got it all on my iPod, you know, so it's you know, do you need to listen to it? On, on a radio station, whether it's satellite or like a local radio station. So I wonder what the future is. Well, okay, radio stations aren't facing that dilemma today, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. But th- there is an institution that, that, that is facing that. I always kid it around. That at some point in my life, I wanted to run off and join the circus. I just, you know, just kind of give up the response. I don't know what I would have done at the circus, but I always wanted to run off and, I always said, I'm going to run off and join the circus. And then kind of the responsibilities of life kind of came away, kind of took over, and, you know, you just, you you never end up doing that. But if, if you want to run away and join the circus, at least if you want to join the big time circus, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, you are running out of time to do that because. On May 21st, the world's most historic circus, the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, is going to shut down. They, they've announced, of course, that this is like their final tour. And there's a couple reasons why th- this happened. Uh, the decision, ticket sales have been going down for for a while. You know, they've been competing as 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 times change, as more and more young people, for example get invested in in things like video games and stuff like that well okay in in the smartphone age where you know everybody's got the video games and you've got the you know the different stuff on your phones and all the, the circus dazzling people uh, doesn't quite happen as much so there, there's been a kind of a generational thing as going to the circus has been less and less cool the other thing that has been going on and i think really ended up killing the circus was the fact that you had the animal rights movement that was out there and the animal rights movement that just does not believe that animals should be used in circus. And animals are, of course, a a big part of any circus. And so circuses have been targeted, particularly Ringling Brothers, for a long while by the animal rights advocates. And then, you know, what happened is last year, in an effort to appease a lot of the animal rights activists, um, Ringling Brothers said, "Okay, tell you what we're going to do. We're 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 going to we're going to just not have elephants in the circus anymore. You know, we're not going to have elephants. So we're going to put the elephants. We're going to send them to Sarasota, Florida, and we're going to let them have a, like a nice, happy life in our elephant preserve." Well, the problem with that was once they did it, what they found was the ticket sales plummeted, plummeted after they made the decision. Why? Because people wanted to see the elephants. That was one of the reasons why people went to the circus. They wanted to see the animals. And if you weren't going to have these animals there, well, there was no reason to go to the circus. And so the effect is that Ringling Brothers, having fought, again, years of ticket decline... Because again, you're trying to how do you get the how do you get the 10-year-olds and 12 year olds, how do they get them interested? Once you did away with having the animals come, okay, it, it just all it falls off, it just the bottom falls out. Our numbers are 414 799 That is the accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, just because Ringling Brothers is not in the circus business or won't be in the circus business anymore after the end of next month, doesn't mean that there might not be smaller circuses around or you still won't have the opportunity to do it. And I understand that to an extent, you know, the circus is maybe somewhat of an anachronism. But I just think it's it's a darn shame. It is a darn shame that a great American tradition and what I think is wonderful entertainment has essentially been allowed to be killed by a handful, a relative handful of loud quote-unquote, self-described animal rights advocates and activists who have decided that it is cruel to have an elephant in the circus or a a lion or a tiger in a circus who doesn't believe that animals have any role in being used to help you know, provide for entertainment. I don't know about you, but I am going to miss the circus. I loved going to the circus. I think it's a lot of fun, and I think it is very unfortunate that, again... The animal rights advocates and activists have brought an end to the circus. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. When you were growing up, or, or even today, was the circus a big part of your life? Going and seeing that, was it great entertainment? Will you miss it? And, again, my premise is I'm really sorry that Ringling Brothers gave in. I hope other circuses don't and recognize that, hey, we're going to treat our animals properly. We're not going to be bullied by the pitas of the world. Are you going to miss the opportunity to take your kids to the circus moving forward? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss when we come back. It's 1143, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1146, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus. Closes its doors. May 21st. It's the last performances. What what essentially did it in was that they gave in to the, the PETA people, the animal rights activists, and agreed to stop using elephants in the circus. And the minute they made that decision, ticket sales just, just fell off the table. I mean, just it, it just completely bottomed out. And now they've decided to close the doors. I think it's a darn shame, and I also think it's a darn shame that this was forced on them by these animal rights activists. I I think they should have stood up and said, we're going to continue doing this. And I, for one, am going to miss this. Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: I am well, thank you.
3: Well, I sort of envy you because you got to see the Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. I never had a chance to. But I did happen to see when I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana, the Shriners Circus, right. and they uh, the big thing there was when they offloaded the elephants off the rail cars. Right. They had a regular parade right up to the Coliseum there, and that was the first and only time I saw a big
0: three ring circus. Oh, you know, it's amazing. No, thank, thanks for calling. I and mean, of course, we used to have. And of course, we, we used to have the circus parade here, and so people had a chance. And it was just look. And I, I mean, I understand the circus parade sort of ran its course. I think maybe some people think it kind of ran its course a little bit, but I mean, that was such a big deal around here, and was such a part of of local culture. And it was just, it was just such a wonderful experience. And I am an animal rights lover. Believe me, I, I am. I am. I am. But I, I think. Right now, this this war that's out there on animals being used in any form for the idea of, of entertainment and that it's got to be absolutely cruel, I just reject that notion in its entirety. And unfortunately, the louder the voices in our society get trying to push for that, the more you're going things, to see things like this happen. Now, the circus, again, faced with all sorts of other challenges and then you've got the PETA people come in and i understand they're popping the champagne corks and they're celebrating and high-fiving that they've been able to kill this very prominent circus. Well, okay, a part of american life goes with it and candidly maybe life would be a lot better off if we had more circuses and fewer animal rights activists. Tom in Greenfield. Tom, you're at 6:20 to Good morning.
4: Yeah, i've got a i I I miss uh i miss the circus parade. I really yep. do. I think that uh, that showed showcase more in the animals than just having it in uh you know, the Bradley Center or wherever it was. And, uh, I think, uh, that was really good. I, I grew up with, uh, yep. having that come through the streets, whether it was every year or every couple of years or something like that. And I think it really showcased a lot of stuff. The wagons, everything, you know, really, really, you really, you really felt that, you know, it was special. It really was special. And I guess, like you just said with PETA and all this other stuff, it seems that the, you know, the, the Nancy's, uh, Nancy type people are, are, cu- are cutting everything uh, down to the extent that they don't want none of this stuff. They only want what they want.
0: Well, and- well right, and, and this—I I mean, I think are called And I guess—I mean, look, I, I understand if you've got an unscrupulous business that is mistreating the animals. You know, you've got that roadside stand, and they, they're Mister. I, I understand that. Where well, that's where to crack in. But for for like Barnum and Bailey Circus, th- this was a a big. This was a multi-million-dollar industry, and the animals were as a general rule very very well cared for but the people that these animal rights activists they don't care about that that that's not the idea it's just the notion that well my goodness you're using these animals for the entertainment of humans well yeah you are Jim in Pewaukee Jim good morning You're on 620 WTMJ good morning how are you today very well thank you although I'm sorry to see the circus ending at least the Barnum and well, Bailey circus ending
3: well I uh I participate in the Shrine Circus here in Milwaukee right and um uh, at the circus that we had at the end of February, we had the there were present the PETA people. Um, they were not uh, uh, in the lobby of the uh, Panther Arena, but uh, they were outside. And of course, uh, they have their right to uh, to voice their opinions. But I have seen firsthand over many many years in cities that have the Shrine Circus. I have seen the way that the animals are treated, and they uh, Jeff, they were they are treated just superbly um, they're babied. they're uh, uh, fed frequently the animals have are uh, washed every day uh, they had it so much better than had if than if they were in the wild um, they are um, well taken care of like i said and fed every day.
0: Well, Jim, it's interesting. I have an email to that point from uh, one of our listeners, Jesse in Green Bay, or a, a text. He says, "We went to the Shrine Circus. The Shrine Circus last month. Um I asked about the elephants. They said that there's an animal doctor that travels with the circus. The elephants get looked at three times a day, and I was told they eat better than we do." <laughs> you know, so it, which which makes sense. It's a huge investment for for them. Yes, it
3: is. Yes, it is. The uh the circus that we hire for the Shrine Circus, it also plays in Madison as well as in Green Bay and here in Milwaukee. Um, that uh, the circus producer, circus owner, whatever it might be, uh, he says that he is going to keep live animals until there's a law against it. Right. Um, the uh, we feel that the people that uh, involved with PETA uh, have not been. Had the opportunity to see how
1: well these animals are treated.
0: Well, well it's also they they and I say this with all due respect, Jim, but they're ideologues. You know that that's that that type of thing. They, this this is the agenda. the The whole notion is animals should not be used. Animals should not be eaten. Animals should not be used to you know help entertain humans. It, it's it's that whole ideolo- ideology, and it doesn't really matter whether it doesn't matter whether the elephants are treated properly or not. That's that's not the bigger issue. It's more like how dare you use animals. And I guess I, I just, I mean, I think circuses have been such a part of American culture. I just, I'm sorry to see this go, especially for this reason.
3: Well, I agree 100%. There's one circus uh, out there that uh, um, eliminated the animals, and they had the animals, pictures, photographs, videos of the animals uh, on a large Right. Uh, that that failed. I mean, yeah, well, like of course. I said earlier, the people come to see the live animals, and uh,
0: sure. that's what the circus is all about. Yeah, I mean, thanks for coming for me. It, it does. I mean, it, it's that that's, that is that is the inevitable type of thing. You know, that is probably, look, and I understand there's all sorts of other stuff that go along with going to the circus. You've got the tightrope walkers. You've got the acrobats. You've got the clowns. Um, John and Jefferson says that he finds clowns to be creepy. All right, I get that, but you've got the clowns. I mean, I understand that there's a lot of different things that are going on, but animals have always been a huge part of the circus. You take the animals out of the circus, and what you find is exactly what happened to Ringling Brothers. You know, it, It's the end of the circus, and I just think that's a horrible thing. It is 1154. Coming up next, we'll find out what Scafidi and Bilstadt have on their minds. Stick around. Uh, Seven fifty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. One final thought. Uh, yesterday, we talked about this San Bernardino shooting. The the gunman, the estranged husband, who came to school, said he wanted to see his wife, and then nobody saw that he had a loaded gun, and they let him go into the classroom, shot her, killed himself, and actually, you know, uh, shot and inadvertently killed one of the other students that were there. And we talked about this yesterday. And the, the more I think about this, candidly. I just don't understand why these schools are allowing the spouses to go into the classroom during the school day. If you show up and you have something to drop off for your wife or your husband, you drop it off and then they come down and they pick it up at the desk. I just, if, I'm not blaming school officials for this necessarily, but just as a matter of policy, just having people who aren't supervised, even if they're, in this case, the guy was the estranged husband, why would you do that?
5: But what about anywhere else, at any workplace?
0: Well, I mean you your if your spouse came well, good example, Eric. If your spouse came here, you would have to go escort her. You're a T right. no, at CMJ, it, yeah. we they wouldn't say, Oh, okay, yeah, even if they knew you, they wouldn't say they wouldn't say your wife, Oh, okay, Eric's down the way. They, you'd have to go mm-hmm. escort her. I yeah. mean and I think that's probably the case in most workplaces. Why would it be different in schools, I guess.
5: We you talked know? about this yesterday. Things have to change. You have to protect the kids at all costs. That's right. a smart way to do it.
0: Right. Yeah, again, I mean, it's just you You just, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever worked in a workplace that they just would send the spouse back. Um
5: we had that question yesterday when when someone had asked about it because there are some that I think have obviously a smaller shop uh, you oh, know sure. whatever it may be a restaurant whatever you're gonna you're gonna have visitors perhaps sure but any but business, like our place yeah, you, yes yep, you have I to mean, sign in you right, yeah, you get a visit, and you're supposed to be a score yeah you wear a
0: badge yeah okay you guys have a great story that you're leading off with I had not heard about this and I'm fascinated by it
5: yeah there's an Oak, there's a Facebook page called Oak Creek Fights that's generated a lot of controversy it's essentially kids beating up on other kids targeting kids in some cases. It's certainly a bullying story, but now the school district's weighed in. It's a, and it's a school district that I'm obviously really familiar with. My wife teaches there. So we're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to talk about Donald Trump's first 100 days. What's happened so far? What's he doing well? What's he not doing so well? That's all coming up on Scafidi and Bilstead.